You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Today, guys, we are uh, closing out a series that we started um, at the beginning of this month, and we've been walking through the book of Jonah, which is in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible. And uh, we're going to be closing out. And here's what I'm really excited about. Today, we get to close out the service with baptisms. How awesome is that? I'm so pumped about that. It's always a special day. And uh, real quick, I want to mention next Sunday, we're going to be starting a new series through uh, Christmas. You heard on the video called When the Fruitcake Hits the Fan. You might be like, what is that even about? I promise you at some point over the next few weeks, Pastor Ron is throwing a fruitcake through a fan. I pro- we're we're going to videotape it or something. Uh, if we have to go find a fan and just throw a fruitcake through it, it's happening. But uh, we're going to be talking about really the emotional process that we walk through during the holiday season, especially given this year in 2020 and all the emotions and everything wrapped up in this year. We're going to be looking at, uh, man, how do we process this and, and how do we find hope and, and what Christmas is about, Jesus. You know, uh, we sing the song, Peace on Earth. What, what does peace really look like? Is that even possible? So we're gonna be walking through that. And as I mentioned, Pastor Pete's gonna be kicking the series off next Sunday, 10.30, as we uh, dive into that. Now, I, I don't know about you, where you are, but I love happy endings. Like, I love it in a TV show or a series or, 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 or uh, an entire uh, episode or, or a movie when all the loose ends get tied up. The worst thing that can happen, and maybe you've had this when you're sitting in a theater or you're watching a movie at home and, and the credits start to roll and you're like, no, 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 there's like questions you didn't answer. You didn't, you didn't why, why did you leave me hanging? I don't care if you want to do a sequel. Don't do that to me. That's um, the worst. I love happy endings. I'll tell you this, just this last year, um, we watched a movie, it was Toy Story 4. Have any of you watched Toy Story 4? So all of our movies are kid related, but um, at the end of Toy Story 4 is Woody like goes off. I'm crying, but it's like this happy ending and things kind of work out and he gets to do what he wants. Like all, I love happy endings. I don't know if you're like that. Now, uh, in the pool house, every Friday night, we started this during the quarantine, we do a movie night. And uh, we, uh, you know, put Luke, our youngest, to bed, and then Zach and Evie and Heidi and I, we get to enjoy a movie, my mom, and we watch a movie together, and we always try to find, like, a good, wholesome movie that, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't, worry the kids, you know, is clean and all of that. And, and even with the nice kid-friendly movies, there are generally a few scenes where things get a little scary, especially for my three-year-old, for Evie. She's incredibly compassionate and sensitive. And when things are like kind of getting a little hairy, she gets really frightened. And she'll, what she'll do when that happens is she'll start to cry. She'll curl up in a ball, kind of cuddle next to her, her mom, to Heidi. And, and uh, she's just worried about what's going to happen to the people, the characters in the movie. And, and every time she does this, she, as she snuggles up to my wife, to Heidi's arms, Heidi will console her and she'll usually say something along the lines, of remember, it will all work out in the end. It's going to be a happy ending. And she'll remind her that. Or, or even Zach. And she'll just say, it's going to work out. And I, I don't know about you, but there have been a number of times over this past year 
where it would have been nice for someone to just kind of like console you and tell you it's going to be okay, everything's going to work out, it'll be a happy ending. Someone who could tell you it's going to work out. Maybe it's in a, in a relationship or your job or, or just your emotional state or, or even the state of our nation. Uh, it would be so comforting to know how it works out, wouldn't it? it? It would be so comforting to know, okay, in the end, all the loose ends are tied up. It's a happy perfect bow and everything's going to work out. And and while we love movies that have happy endings, we love it even more when it's in real life. We love happy endings in real life. Now about that real life thing, happy endings rarely happen the way we had expected, do they? In real life. This is what honestly sometimes stinks about real life, but we love about Hallmark movies because it's kind of like this escape from real life, you're like, oh, look at that beautiful little town and everything works out. Oh, they, they met each other and they're happily ever after and, and the movie ends and you're crying. You're like, oh, that's so wonderful. It's like this nice escape from real life. And, and, and I, I know this might be a pessimistic view of life, but I'm not trying to be negative, just kind of real this morning. You see, oftentimes in the church, I believe we undersell what real life is about. We, we paint this picture like real life is supposed to be rosy and perfect. And we undersell, and in turn, we undervalue what God is actually capable of. When we undersell how, how difficult sometimes life can be, when you read this book we call the Bible, things weren't always perfect for everybody. In fact, they were oftentimes really difficult. When we undersell what real life is about, we undervalue what God is capable of. That, that God doesn't just work in perfect circumstances. God doesn't just work when everything's perfect. One year ago today, uh, I began the day experiencing one of the most excruciating moments of my life. My father would pass away at 5 a.m. on that day. And uh, I could have never imagined how difficult that would be. Now, after that horrible moment, I would jump in my car and take the 30-minute drive home. And as as I drove home from the hospital that day, I didn't fully realize the journey of pain and sorrow and uncertainty that was just beginning. Over the last 12 months, I've questioned so many times why the happy ending I had in mind, the dreams I held on to, had to be shattered so unexpectedly. Like, why? Like, everything was supposed to work out this way, God. Why? Why wouldn't you do that? My, My parents were supposed to grow old together and watch their grandkids grow up. This wasn't how things were supposed to go. After all, my dad had given 40 years of his life serving and investing in the church as a pastor. Doesn't that actually count for something? Needless to say, I've had some pretty angry, difficult moments. I, I don't know if you've ever been there before, or maybe, maybe you're there right now, but, but I've asked God some really difficult questions over these last 12 months about how detached reality seems to be from what I envisioned and hope life would become. One of the things I've had to bump up against numerous times in those heated conversations with God has been the misperception I had about life that I absolutely hate to admit isn't actually true. It's this idea that God's desire for us is to bring about happy endings. I really want that to be true. But, 
but it's not actually true. I, I so desperately want that to be the case. But, but, but the truth is, it isn't. You can, you can sure pick out isolated verses from the Bible, take them out of context, and definitely make it sound like the Bible is all about you and me just being happy. But, it, but it's not the truth. Now, stick with me for a minute. The news does actually get better from here. That would be a, that's a pretty depressing thought to rest on. Uh, as we've been walking through this month, this Old Testament book, uh, the book of Jonah, today we're going to close out this series and we're going to look at the really uncomfortable, difficult ending of the book that really wasn't rosy, wasn't happy. In, in fact, it ends with Jonah being really ticked. He's kind of angry at the end of the book. So, so to bring you up to speed before we read it, for those that maybe missed uh, parts of the series, God spoke to this guy named Jonah, who was a prophet or a person that spoke the words of God to the world. The message God asked Jonah to share was one of potential destruction for the Assyrian city of Nineveh. As Jonah did this, the people of Nineveh turned from their evil ways and cried out to God in sorrow for the mistakes that they made. Now, this is referred to as repentance. If you've ever heard the word repentance, this is what repentance is. It's a great explanation or illustration of it. That the people of Nineveh were sorrowful about their evil ways, the things they had done that were wrong, and they turned from them. They didn't just ask for forgiveness. They repented, meaning they turned in the opposite direction. They repented. God then relents on sending the destruction because of this radical change in their ways. This is what we call mercy. So the the Ninevites, as, as Jonah shares the word of God with them, they repented of their wrong ways, and God, in turn, shows mercy, meaning he holds off on the destruction, the punishment that they, they were deserving of. And this seems like the perfect, happy ending we'd all love. Like, this is how all the loose ends are tied up. The Ninevites are good. God doesn't destroy them like it's awesome. But that was only chapter three. Then we get to chapter four, and everything seems to unravel. Like, like the book would be so much better if it just ended with Jonah chapter three. Why not just do three chapters? Why have a fourth chapter? Chapter four, though, is where real life happens. Now, as we've done for most of the series, we're gonna read the entire chapter. Before you glaze over and you're like, oh my word, he's gonna read a whole chapter of the Bible. That sounds like the worst thing ever. It's only 11 verses, okay? So it's not the end of the world. Uh, So Jonah chapter four, we're gonna read verses one through 11. Here's where it starts. So remember, the Ninevites have been forgiven. God relents on destroying them. Here's how it starts, verse one. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. What's happening here? Uh, Jonah had this expectation of how things should go and now they have gone the opposite. They've gone differently than he thought they should go. Uh, this, this, This is where a lot of us can be. This is where I've been. They didn't line up with his view of the future. It goes on. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. He's, not, he's serious here. He's not just talking about you know, pouting like he's in the corner, like, I don't like this. My way didn't happen. Um, he's like, I'd, it'd be better for me to die. He, here's what he's saying. He so hated 
the Ninevites. And we've talked about this in past weeks. The, the Assyrians, the Ninevites or Assyrians, they were so violent. The rest of the world feared them, despised them. Uh, in this moment, Jonah so hated them. He so despised the Ninevites. He actually wanted them to be destroyed. And he knew if he shared the word of God, he, he actually shared what God told him to share. And the people repented, meaning they turned from their evil ways. God would relent and they didn't get the destruction, the punishment that he so desperately wanted them to have. And now he's angry. He's angry because his view of the future, his happy ending wasn't happening. So much so, he's like, it would be better for me to die. And it goes on. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. He's still like holding out hope. Maybe God will just destroy them. Like maybe God will accidentally like brush past the button. Maybe he'll be like, Alexa, destroy Nineveh. Oh, ah, man, I meant to hold that back. And like Alexa would still destroy them or something. He's kind of holding out hope. Maybe he'll still destroy them. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his comfort. And Jonah was very, can you say this word with me? He was very what? Happy. He was very happy. He was very happy uh, about the plant. So what's happened here is God supernaturally, if, if you've ever tried to grow something, you understand things don't grow that quickly. God supernaturally provides this plant that gives shade to Jonah. He's in the hot sun. You understand we're in the Middle East. It's very hot. Uh, it's, it's dry. He, he's, he's, he's hot. So God gives him this shade. And now, now Jonah is happy. He was angry. Now he's happy. Do you understand? Jonah's really uh, impacted by his circumstances here. Goes on. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Here he goes again. All based on the circumstances. And God said to Jonah, verse nine, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? So he, he asks about, is it right for you to be angry about the city? Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, Jonah said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. There he goes again. Verse 10, but the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? And that's how the book ends. Like the whole book of Jonah ends with a question. I hate stories that end with a question. It's like, end with a period, not a question mark. I, I like it all finish out. What happened to tying up all the loose ends? And, and, and there's a few things I think that's impo- that are important here about the story of Jonah, especially chapter four, that, that are important to kind of highlight, to, to focus on here briefly. Number one, we see in Jonah's conversation with God. And I, I don't know what your church background's like. Maybe you have no church background. Maybe your background's like you went to church as a kid or maybe, maybe you're just like watching online and you're like, man, I just came across this and I'm just kind of wasting time. Whatever, I, I don't know what it is. But, but this is really important for us to understand about God. It's okay to be angry with outcomes and even with God. Did you know that? It, it's okay 
to be angry with the outcomes that I not be happy with outcomes. And it's even okay to be angry with God. God, God here doesn't punish or smite Jonah for being angry. He doesn't yell at Jonah like, how dare you question me? How dare you not like the outcomes I brought about? That, that's not what God did. It's okay. God isn't offended by our anger sometimes. He welcomes the dialogue, just as he did here with Jonah. Sometimes we hold on to things because we're like, well, I don't want to hurt God's feelings. Can I tell you, you're not going to hurt God's feelings. He's okay with it. In fact, I think there's healthy things that happen when we can process our feelings, our anger, our frustration, our disappointment with God. I think it's healthy. And here's what I'll just say to you. Just don't get offended yourself when he questions your response too. So, so God here was saying to Jonah, hey, did you cause any of this to happen? Why, why can't I do this? If, you, if you're okay sharing what's on your heart and, and, and sharing a little bit of the emotion, the passion you have about your circumstances, maybe how they didn't end the way you wanted, or that's cool. God is okay with that. Just don't be offended if he comes back with a little bit uh, of, of uh, uh, questions for you. It's a dialogue. We, we picture this idea of God where God just like declares things, we listen, and then we try to talk back, and he's like, forget you, I'm going this way. That's not how it works. God talks to us. It's a dialogue. It's a conversation. That's what prayer is. Number one, it's okay to be angry with outcomes and even with God. Number two, our view of what makes us happy is usually incomplete. The things that we would love to see happen, that we believe would make us happy. Right there. They would often cause us to be incomplete. God's view is so much bigger than what we can see. Jonah, he was looking at his own life, what what would be best for him. I'll be happy if this city gets destroyed. God's saying there's 120,000 people in that city. I want to spare them. God's view is so much bigger. God, God, we view things based on right here. I, I know maybe right now, we're viewing things based on 2020, November, Thanksgiving. Why can't I celebrate Thanksgiving the way I want? Or why can't I do this? Or why can't my job be doing this? Or why can't I have this? Or, or, or be able, like, we're, we're viewing it through this really narrow window. And God's looking at the bigger picture. He's looking at, so the things that we might want in our lives to be happy, God is saying, man, if you got that, you'd fall short of what I really want to do in your life. And, and here's the big idea this morning that I want to share with you. God's hope isn't to make us happy, but complete. God's hope for your life, for my life, isn't to make you happy, but complete. And completion is so much better. We like to see happy endings, and I'm with you on that. But what if our happy endings would cause us to fall short of what God wants to complete in us. We, we don't know what happened after Jonah chapter four, verse 11, but I do know this, that God was more concerned with the residents of Nineveh turning from their evil ways than he was in making Jonah happy by destroying them. In, in the second part of the Bible, in the New Testament, there's a really interesting, powerful letter that Paul writes, the Apostle Paul. He writes it to the church in Corinth. This is actually the second letter. And it's, uh, we know it as 2 Corinthians. In chapter 12, uh, Paul's writing about 
this thorn in the flesh. See, we don't know what the thorn was, but there was something in his life that was really causing him pain. It was difficult. It was uncomfortable. And, and in verse 8, we see that, that he, he actually asked God, like, remove it. Remove this from my life. If you've ever had a pain in your life, physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, you're like, God, would you please get this out of my life? This is what was happening with Paul. In verse 8, it says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What's Paul saying? He's saying the hardships, the, the, the pain caused me to lean in a little bit more to God's strength, to his muscle that maybe I didn't have. It allows me to be complete in him. So, so what I want to encourage you with, whatever happens in our world, whatever transpires in these coming months, years, and decades before us, we don't know what 2021 is going to look like or 2022. We don't know what December is going to look like. I don't know if you have your bingo, you know, scratch-off card for, for 2020. There's still boxes that be scratched off, like alien invasion, dinosaurs coming back. We, you know, who knows? Um, but this is what I, I do know. Our goal shouldn't be to pursue a life of happiness. I know that goes against every American bone in your body, that we exist for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What I want to challenge you with as a follower of Jesus, our goal isn't to pursue happiness not that we should strive to be miserable, unhappy, or depressed, like we should be the most depressed people in the world. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. But the pursuit of happiness will almost always keep us short of the completion God envisions. Our pursuit is completion, not happiness. Our goal as followers of Jesus, it should be to find completion ultimately in Jesus. This has honestly been a very difficult idea to get my mind around, but it's true and it's healthy. We will never become what God created us to be by pursuing a happiness that's determined by our circumstances rather than a joy determined by our completion in Christ. Jonah was striving to find happiness in his circumstances, that things would happen the way he envisioned and how he envisioned. We're gonna fall short. We're gonna be disappointed. Maybe you've discovered this already and you probably have. Things don't always work out the way we envisioned, the way we'd planned. As the worship team comes today, so what does it mean to find completion in Christ? Maybe you're like, that's a cool idea, Nick. What does it even mean to find completion in Jesus? I don't even know what that means. It means, first of all, that you are who he says you are. You are who he says you are. Romans chapter eight, the book, uh, the letter that Paul wrote to the Roman church. Romans chapter eight tells us that we are children of God, that we can cry out to God as Abba Father, as a dear heavenly father. We are adopted into the family of God. You might think, you don't understand my history, my past, what I've walked through. You have no idea, Nick. If you did, you wouldn't say that about me. I'm not saying this. God is saying this. He's, this is who he says you are. That when you are saying, I want to repent, as the Ninevites say, I, I want to turn from my past. And I want to follow Jesus. You are a child of God. You're adopted into his family. That you can cry out to God, Abba, Father. Not, not like scary father. Abba, Father. Loving Father caring 
father, that he loves you and he, he believes in you. So number one, it's, it, it, finding your completion in Christ is, it, it means that you are who he says you are. Number two, it means that what will complete us can sometimes cost us. What will complete us can sometimes cost us. Earlier in Romans 8, there's this verse that sometimes can be misunderstood. Verse 28 of Romans 8 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, and who have been called according to his purpose. God wants the best for us. He works all things for the good. But sometimes what he's working in us and through us can hurt. A few verses later, it says that he conforms us to the image of his son. That that conforming process, that shaping process, that forming process is almost always a painful, difficult, sometimes unhappy experience. That's because God's hope isn't to make us happy, but complete. He wants to complete you, not make you just happy. Happy is determined by your circumstances. Completion is determined by the result. The the last thing finding our completion in Christ means is that we have all that we need. We have all that we need. We don't need a certain job. We don't need to drive a certain car. We don't need to live in a certain place or even be in a certain relationship to find completion. We are complete in Him and Him alone, period. What this means is we don't need to be desperate. Too many followers of Jesus have become desperate because this circumstance has to end just the way I want it to for for things to work out. Or or this has to happen in my life or in my nation or or, or my job or in my family or my workplace, my health, whatever it might be. Like we've become desperate for outcomes. We don't need to be desperate because all that we need is found in him. As followers of Jesus, no matter who's the president, no matter where our bank account is, no matter who's cheering for us or who's shouting against us, we ultimately are complete and whole in him, in Christ. God's hope isn't to make us happy, but complete. And this week, when you're tempted to pursue happiness, I want you to remember that God has so much more in store for you. He doesn't want you to be happy with your circumstances. He wants you to find joy in in your completion in Him. And and in a few moments, we're going to baptize some folks and celebrate the step they've taken to follow Jesus. But before we do that, before we sing a song here in a moment, I I don't want to rush past this moment and miss the opportunity for for those that are here in person or watching online that, that maybe for you, the step you need to take today is to say, I want to begin the journey to find completion in Jesus. You know, when I was a kid, one of my favorite things we would do on Christmas Day, we would drive to my cousins, my aunt and uncles in Scranton. It's like a six, seven hour drive. So we'd wake up, we'd open our gifts, do our normal routines and kind of rituals and traditions. And then we'd jump in the car and we'd drive all day to my cousins. We'd spend a few days, go to New York City. It was wonderful. It was a fun journey. We'd stop at every sheets along the way to get our free coffee because my mom had to have her coffee five times in the span of six hours. And when we started that journey, we got into the car. We weren't at my aunt and uncle's yet. Like, we didn't just teleport to Scranton. We would drive. But beginning the journey was so exciting. 
what I'm saying today is maybe for you, you need to begin the journey. You need to begin the journey to find your completion in Christ. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen immediately, but you need to begin that journey. You need to say, you know what? I've done some, I made mistakes. There's things I'm not proud of. There are things that maybe I would say disqualify me from being in the family of God. And God is saying, no, I love you. You are my child. I want to embrace you, forgive you. And not only forgive you, but I have a plan and a purpose for you that is so much bigger and greater than anything you could imagine on your own. It might not always be easy, but I promise I will bring you to completion. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your faithfulness that you don't give up on us. Jesus, I thank you that you have so much more in store than just making us happy. Well, let us find our completion in you. As you're continuing to pray this morning, if you're here and you say, Nick, I've never taken that step to follow Jesus, to pursue his plan, his purpose for my life, to experience his goodness, his mercy. I wanna give you the opportunity to pray that prayer. Like I said, prayer isn't anything magical. It's just a conversation. I wanna lead you in here in a moment. If that's you, I'm gonna count to three. And this is a physical act of your will. For those in the room, if you're at home, I'm gonna ask you on the count of three just to reach your hand toward heaven to say, God, today, today, I wanna begin that journey. I wanna begin to follow Jesus. I wanna begin to take a journey toward completion in him. One, two, three. If that's you this morning, just reach your hand toward heaven today. Amen. You can put your hands down. I'm gonna ask everyone, Pray this prayer with me online. If you're watching on your phone, you can pray it to yourself. We're just gonna talk to God here for a moment. And I wanna lead you in that conversation. You can all pray this prayer with me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for never giving up on me. Today, I commit my life to you. I, I embrace your forgiveness. I commit to follow you. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, whether you're here or watching online, I wanna encourage you to text new to Jesus, new, the number two to Jesus, to 55498. We wanna put some resources in, in your life to help you continue that journey, not just to take a step, but to see that journey all the way through to completion. Would you stand with me this morning? We're gonna sing a song together. Wherever you are on your journey, here's what I wanna encourage you to do. We need these reminders because everything else in our life are bombarding us. That, that we need to find happiness now. We need to buy this. We need to do that. We need this experience or this relationship or this uh, title or whatever. And, and everything's bombarding us. And, and what I'm trying to remind you is, all you have to do is come to the Father. Cry out, Abba, Father, we are part of the family of God. Maybe for you, you need this reminder this morning that life is determined by our circumstances, determined by our Savior, by what God wants to do. Let's sing this song. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. 
see you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 